0: This morning, I want to remind us of a very, very powerful truth. And we see this in Proverbs uh, 16. And the first four verses in Proverbs 16, in the English contemporary version, I love how it says it, we humans make plans, but the Lord has the final say. We make plans, but the Lord has the final say. Can we say that together? the Lord has the Lord has we make plans but we have a God and it was sung about so beautifully here and also from our hearts who loves us more than we can ever understand and he sees our lives from beginning to end and he has the final say in fact Proverbs 16 it continues like Uh, As it starts out, we humans make plans, but the Lord has the final say. We may think we know what's right, but the Lord is the judge of our motives. Share your life with the Lord, and you will succeed. The Lord has a reason for everything he does. Well, we try and make plans. We've got ideas. Maybe you heard about the couple they were in their 60s, celebrating their 40th anniversary, decided to go on their very first uh, holiday together. They go to an uh, island somewhere, and as they're walking down the, down the beach, they come across a magic lamp. So, they pick it up, they rub it, out comes a genie. the genie. genie says, I grant you two wishes. He looks to the wife. How about you? She says, oh, oh, yes. I want my husband to love me, love me, love me, and serve me and treat me well for the rest of my days. Okay, And you? Turns to the husband. The husband says, I want to be married to a woman 30 years younger than I am. (laughs) And poof. Just like that, the guy was 90. <laughs> well, he had a plan, <laughs> but there, there was uh, something else that had the final say in that. Listen... Some things don't work out the way that we were thinking. In fact, sometimes our lives end up very differently than we had anticipated. When I was the youth pastor in this church, little did I know that one, I was gonna meet my wife, and secondly, that I would end up with the privilege of serving God in East Africa, and it is a privilege. And this church has been a part of our lives, been a part of supporting and praying for us, for praying for Empowering Lives International. And I am so thrilled to share different updates with you today. In fact, we are now uh, along the journey of empowering and equipping people. As I saw the poverty and the suffering and the spiritual darkness when you first sent me back in 1989 to Tanzania as my heart broke, recognizing that God's heart was breaking. And so Amy and I were able to start the ministry of Empowering Lives way back then. There was just a few of us on staff then. Today, it's over 110 people full-time. Over 90% of them are all national, serving full-time right now, moving out into villages, providing people with skills and training and the gospel so that they can come out of poverty and into the arms of God. And along the journey, we were able to start two children's homes We started with 200 orphans, full orphans. Now it's over 300. Why? Because 120 of them have graduated from high school. They're in college. We've had about 20 who've left college. Some of them are married and are also helping orphans now in their young adulthood. So thank you for being a part of this journey. I know some of you have sponsored them. Some of you stepped up even last year when we talked about Family Hope to help us advance this in the villages. And I want to share more more specific stories but I'd like to begin with something closer to home. In one, And as, as I was uh, in seminary and out of seminary there was uh, several churches that I did have the privilege of serving in and one of them as I came in to work with the youth one of the first meetings somebody said to me what are we going to do about the tree? And I said, what tree? And they said, there was, there was a tree out front. And vandals came in. In fact, it had just happened. Some vandals came in and they uprooted bushes and they sprayed things on the church walls. And one of the things is they had cut down a tree that had about a three-inch stump. It was probably only about uh, 10 feet high, but it had been planted because, unfortunately, one of the young people in the youth group had passed away. The youth had planted a tree. The vandals had come in and cut the tree off right at the ground. Just a small stump was remaining. The youth were so upset. What are you going to do? I said, I don't know. Let's think about it. I don't know what to do. And the next week, Youth group was starting and I was trying to do the Bible study, but one of them had a question. I said, yes, what is it? Maybe about what I said, and they said, what are we doing about the tree? There was pain, there was hurt, because someone had brought damage to their hopes, to what they had wanted to accomplish, which is to remember that person. Well, that next week, as a couple few more weeks went by, I, I I was really praying. I said, God, what are we going to do about that tree? What can we do about that tree? And as I was walking outside near that tree, I couldn't help but feel this, this prompting that said, look closely. Look closely. So I came over to the tree, and I just was looking and still kind of meditating, and then it says, look closely. And so I got down on my hands and my knees, and I looked. And I just felt that prompting. Look closely. And I got my eyes right next to that stump, and I knew what we were going to do. And the youth group met that week, and as they came together, I said, listen, before we're even going to start, I know some of you have a question about what we're going to do about that tree. And all their heads nodded. And they said, yes, yes, yes. And I said, I know what we're going to do. And they said, what? I said, nothing. Now, that's not what they were expecting to hear. And they were shook. They said, what do you mean? I said, let's come outside with me. And they came out, and we got around that, and I said, now listen, what I want you to do is I want you to look closely. And they said, it's dead. I said, look closely. And some of them got close, and I said, one of them that was close, I said, look closely at the stump. Look closely at the stump. And he got down, he got closer, and he says, I don't see anything. And then I took a pencil and I came up to the edge of that little three-inch stump, and where the bark and the tree met, there was a tiny, tiny green bud. There was two of them, one on this side and one on the other. I said, this tree is not dead. We're gonna take care of this tree and see what happens. And within a few weeks, that had germinated to this, to this. It had grown bigger. And friends, God has the final say. This is an illustration because some of you feel like things maybe have been cut in your life. That things have been finished at one point or another. But God has the final say. Because today, that tree is now over 25 feet tall and when you look at the stump you almost wonder where was it where where was it cut off because it's hard to identify that wound but isn't that what god can do today God can take lives, in fact, he specializes in lives that are broken and hurting and wounded, and when we surrender to him and allow his love to come into our lives, he brings healing and God restores things. Maybe not the way that we expected or anticipated, but believe me, friends, and everyone who's listening to this online or wherever you are, God has the final say. May I hear an amen? It's true. And for those of you who have walked with the Lord for some years, you've known that. This church has helped launch Amy and I into a unique ministry, and we are very, very grateful. It causes me to reflect, too, on what happened here in Exodus. In 14, I want to just touch on a couple things, because when we think about when things are damaged and things are injured, I'm reminded of that time when God had led the people of Israel right up to the edge of the Red Sea. Amazing. And here the people are, the, the hearts of Pharaoh and the army had been hardened and now they are after God's people. And they're, they're cornered. And, and some people might think, well, God, weren't you watching? And you'd think, well, maybe God was saying, oh, gee, I didn't know this was a dead end. <laughs> no way. God knew exactly what he was doing. And right when people are saying, oh, no, oh, no, it's gone, it's dead, it's finished, God can say, oh, yes. Why? Because he sees the end. We see life through a knothole in a fence, like my friend Pastor Gary Innes says. But God sees the whole parade from the beginning to the end. We see it passing, we can only see a small part, but God sees the whole thing, and He is in control and He is in charge. We humans make plans, but God has the final say. These people in Exodus chapter 14, I'm gonna just move through a few different verses. Where in verse 4, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all of his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So you see, God had a plan. Even before they started this journey, God had something in mind. And it was to bring glory to himself and to help everyone know that he is the Lord. Then we fast forward. Then to verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. You see, the Pharaoh was there. The people were trapped. The people were crying out, oh no, why did you bring us here? It had been better if we had been like this. They were coming up with all of these different things, talking about their pain and and their fear. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong uh, east wind and turned it into dry land. 23, he made the wheels of the chariots when the Egypts followed them. He, he, he made the wheels of the chariots come off. Isn't that amazing? Such a detail. It's like, here comes Pharaoh's army. God's like, hmm, let's see. All of a sudden, the wheels are getting jammed. The wheels are falling off. And then the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord, the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. The Lord is fighting for them. The Lord is fighting. I want you to remember that. Verse 29, then the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground and a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people Feared the Lord, and they put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. And then they go on to sing an amazing song. They write this song called the Song of Moses. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and its riders have been hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. All of chapter 15 is an amazing song that's reflecting over and over again on the beauty of who God is and what he's done. The people said, oh no. But then later on they said, oh yes. Just recently in Africa, we have a team that now, many trainers actually, that we've raised up with ideas. uh, The team that are on our staff have training skills so that they can help people gain ideas in agriculture, poultry, baking, business, buying in bulks, breaking down and selling in small uh, portions. If you want to read more about those specific things, everybody should have one of these. I can't encourage you enough to explore the things that God is leading, has led us to be able to provide for the poor so that they will be able to help themselves. And as we share those ideas and skills, we use the scriptures and we share about the love of God and a team of ours who specialize in helping recovering alcoholics because they themselves had come to Christ through our program. And now after years and years of discipleship and mentoring, they are now pastors to alcoholics. That's what they say about themselves. No, we are pastors to alcoholics. Everywhere they go, they say, we love them. We want to help them. God, give us more that we can bring them to you And so they were on their way to a certain village, a remote place where God was moving in the lives of men to help them come out of alcohol and to Christ. And halfway on their way to that journey, the car breaks down. I mean, seriously, there is a part. It's not like, let's just adjust this. There was a part that broke, and uh, the driver, because they had hired, they would rented the car, so they came with a driver. The driver says, "Uh, oh, oh no. (laughs) I have to go back to the city to get a part. How long is that going to take? At the best, hours, probably a day. So the guys are, first of all, they kind of say, well, I don't know. Then they said, hey, we humans have plans, but the Lord has the final say. And I want to encourage all of us, open our eyes every day because God wants to orchestrate our steps. Here in Garden Grove, here in Orange County, wherever you are online, if you wake up every day and say, Lord, orchestrate my steps today for your glory, he will do it. And you'll begin to see God's fingerprints in your life and moving in special ways that you maybe hadn't anticipated. So the guys sat there by the car, waiting and thinking, okay God, What's up?" Pretty soon they noticed that there's a stream of men walking on the road, passing the car, and then taking a right-hand turn at a small river and then following the river off into some bushes. And not just a few. This kept going on and on. They see these men walk right in the bushes. What's going on? Let's go see. So they follow them they just follow the line, they go through the bushes, and when they come into this clearing, here is one of the biggest brewing dens in that entire region. There were dozens and dozens of men baking and drinking an illegal alcohol called Chang'a, which literally translated means kill me quick. And they see the three guys from the ELI staff come through, and they all start trying to hustled, some of them run away, others just are, are frozen. The guys that are brewing it on their pots, you know, it's a, it's a distilling process that's very a little bit complicated, but there's some men specializing. They're, they're not knowing what they're going to do. And the men, our, our staff said, no, 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 relax. Relax. We are pastors to alcoholics. <laughs> we love you. We love you. They're all like, what? What are they talking about? And finally, to shorten the story, they got a chance to share their testimonies. Here they are sharing in the brewing, they're sharing their testimonies. And as they began to, to leave, one of the men tugs at one of the guys, he says, Hey, come to my home, come to my home. And so they did, they go to this guy's home. And he says, I need help. I am addicted, I need out, I want help. And so these guys began counseling him and and advising him. And the children, there's children there that are listening. And one of the children actually says, may I speak? And then the the people, the dad and and the staff said, yes. And this child said, please, we're suffering. We are suffering. Our mom is brewing. She pays no attention. We're hungry, we don't have food. The police are always coming and trying to arrest our parents. My mother's been in jail. But when she comes out, she keeps brewing, oh, please, please do something. Talk to our dad. So they talk with him a bit more, and they, then the wife, who kept coming and going into the room, she said, okay, go ahead and pray. Just pray. So they prayed. And Pastor Stephen Way One of our staff, he prayed that the truth of God would come, that these children would be helped, and that this family would change. They said, thank you, and off they go. And within a minute, as they are walking away, the woman in the home, the wife, comes running after them in a panic. And she says, wait, wait. And they stop, and in Africa, you don't yell. It's not. It's not polite, and it creates a big alarm. So the fact that she was even shouting mildly was a big deal. Wait! Wait! Stop! They stop. They turn around. She comes up, and she says, "Who are you, people? You prayed in my house, and I confess I was brewing in the next room. I confess I was brewing. And after you left, my brewing pot." burst. I almost got burned. Who are you people? And there was a crowd that started to gather, and the guys now went back to see, and sure enough, in the kitchen, and she said, I've been brewing for 20 years. This has never happened. And that crowd now that followed the guys was all wide-eyed. And later on, later on, That next day, as the guys were preparing to leave, in fact, they were on their way leaving. One of the guys' cell phones rang, and it was the lady. And she said, you have to come back. And They said, no, we're going. We know God is opening a door, and we will pray. We will pray. And God will open a door for us to come back. She says, no, you don't understand. Today was the day that our village has this ceremony for our young boys' initiation into manhood. Every year, there's one day, the boys, the young people, uh, the young guys, they train them for a month, but then there's one day, they have a big, big party. And in that village, and in many villages, that's the day where the alcohol is flowing, where the changa is moving. And many of these young guys, that's their first time to get drunk. And it's a big, big deal for the community. She said, we began the initiation ceremony. Then they started passing around the alcohol and people were spitting it out because it had rotted. Is God good? (laughs) Friends, this is not years ago. This is last month. This is now. The kingdom of God is advancing in ways that we couldn't even expect. In fact, I'd like you to watch this brief video as you'll see that God is not only helping us ignite world change, uh, not only helping us help the poor, helping them come to Christ, but he is igniting world changers. Let's watch this video. we're igniting world changers and there's some images that I also want to share but here's where God is doing you see we Amy and I and our boys we've been serving together with our national team for over 25 years now and you've been a part of supporting us and praying for us all along and we just want to say praise God for you and thank you for each of the partners who stepped up to be able to make this happen. You know, it's just about eight years ago that we were able to open a training for some of these illegal brewers because we had been attacking the problem of alcoholism. There were so many orphans, children out of school, families that were suffering. So we were trying to do rehab for the men, but then God opened that door for us to reach the women. We began providing training for them. The first training was 47 women. When they went back after the five day training to their villages, the chief and others noticed so much change that the chief called us, he said, I have 53 more. We said, we only have 33 beds. The people said, the women said, we don't care. We're not here for comfort, we're here for change. Some of them slept on the floor, they slept two to a bed, and by the end of that week, every one of them had given their lives to Christ and they went back changed. Then the news channel showed up, actually at that training, and they captured the story and and interviewed these women because they had never heard of brewers being changed. In fact, one pastor who came because we told him, hey, there's ladies in your village that are coming out of alcohol, and we believe that they're gonna receive Jesus. Can you be here on Friday at the graduation? We wanna help you to follow up with them, and he came. And at the end, we said, you can say something. And he stood up and he said, Eli, what have you done? We said, what, what do you mean? He said, I have to confess. I have been leading my church in my village for 25 years. And I have never led one brewer to Jesus. I have actually asking, I'm asking God's forgiveness because I've held them at a distance, I've rebuked them, I've seen them as dark people. I've even told my people to stay away from them. And yet here today, I see over 50 women who are singing praises to Jesus. I can't hardly believe that they were actually illegal brewers. God has has had a final say today. The news channels recorded that. It was broadcast across, across the country. And we got another call from a different village. He said, this chief said, I have 91. And it has grown and grown. Now, let me tell you, as of today, over 1,800 families, that's families of six, have come out of illegal brewing and into the arms of God. They are now creating co-op groups. But here's one of the things that's so special. As my family and I have served there, you'll see this next picture is Ruth. Ruth. And you see, Ruth was one of the most notorious brewers in her village. Even the police were afraid of her. They would go to arrest her, she'd come out with a club. They didn't have guns, they had clubs, but hers were bigger. She was serious. She was not only selling alcohol in her own community, but three times a week she would carry 15 gallons on her back to another community over a hill, you can't believe how far she went, over a hill and down about four miles away to a village called Kocholwo. She refused to come for training. One of the reformed brewers, they, all, they now call themselves women of change. They say, don't call us reformed brewers, we are women of change. So he say, yes. So one of these women of change, uh, Paris, kept visiting Ruth until finally Ruth agreed Ruth came, she said, I'm not coming alone. She brought seven other women, all of them found Jesus. And this next slide will show you what's happening right now. Because Ruth came to Jesus five years ago, but Ruth started mentoring and discipling these ladies. But these women are not from her village. Oh yes, she's mentoring over 15 in her own village. These ladies are from Kocholwo, the village that she used to carry the alcohol to. And she tells them, I used to bring you this but now I'm carrying Jesus. Now, among these groups, and what we're seeing God doing is, we're calling it Family Hope. Hopes is an acronym. Healing Hearts, Overcoming Poverty, Pursuing Christ, and Empowering Others. That's what God is calling Eli to do right now. Because as we have seen now, dozens and dozens of uh, um, suffering farmers Pastors who had no vision, even village chiefs are amazed at the lives that they're seeing transformed until they are coming to Jesus. In one of these villages, the chief now, he says, when I visited him, he said, everywhere I go now, I carry my Bible. Chief Thomas has sent 223 women from his village alone for training. And three months after those ladies were trained, they went back home, stopped brewing, started other businesses. The the headmaster of the local school said that the enrollment in the elementary school leaped by 500 children. Because before, these kids, that was their job. Get the wood, fetch the water, tend the fire. The parents didn't care about education. But when God got a hold of their hearts and their home now is honoring God, it all changes. Healing Hearts, the next one, um, go ahead and move to this next one. Um, maybe you can go back to two slides. There it is. There's 50 villages now that are calling us and saying, this change that we're seeing in people, bring it to our location. That's, that's there in Kenya. Elderit is where Amy and I and the boys um, really are home base there in Kenya. Go ahead, next one, and the next. Now we're training people in groups of 12 to 15 from all 50 villages, and we've just started this last fall, just last fall. So we wanna be strategic like Jesus was. We wanna raise up disciples, we wanna mentor them in the gospel, in leadership, in spiritual warfare, and also ideas that can break, that break the cycle of poverty. So that way we're multiplying what our staff have done into volunteers who've been transformed by Christ. So this picture was taken just two weeks ago. This is the cohort from Kochorwo Among them is the assistant chief. These are the men. You say, where's the women? Next slide. They were sitting on the other side of the room. <laughs> so we're training and equipping them. Next slide. We're doing, t- taking them through team building exercises so that when they go back to the village, they're not isolated, they're working together as a team, and their vision is to reach 300 other families in their village alone. Can you imagine, if you do the math, if we raise up this, are able, with your help, to raise up this cohort in 50 villages, 300 families times 50, 6.5 people per family. In the next three to five years, we're believing God through this program that we've already seen taking place. We're already seeing it, that God would allow all of us together to impact 100,000 people. We've got plans, but God has the final say. And we're praying and believing by faith with you. God is gonna do it. Stand with us, Amy and I leave a week from tomorrow to head back to Africa. During COVID, we were able to manage everything here from the States because of these amazing cell phones and because of our amazing staff and our leadership in Kenya. But not only are we there, we have a water drilling program in Tanzania. We have a school for over 700 children in the DR Congo. But Amy and I will head back to Kenya to encourage our team and for them to encourage us. I know we're going to come back changed, as we will be able to visit these villages, we'll be able to meet even the people from Kochoa, and I will take your greetings. Is that good? They say, "Are you the, the, the people of Africa say, are you bringing us any greetings? Because the first thing that, that, uh, that they will do if they ever visit here or we come to, they say, we bring you greetings. So can I take greetings from Living Spring? Yes. I will carry that sincerely, sincerely. And when I tell them, I bring you greetings from Living Spring, they will say, <laughs> that's how they praise God. Friends, God is alive. He is moving. And he wants to use you and me I was an associate pastor at this church, I had no idea what God had in mind. And wherever you are, whatever your age, God has something in mind for you. In fact, that tree, this next slide, you see, here's the tree, isn't it beautiful? In fact, I did a zoom, I I took a closer shot here, I tried to see, where? Where it might be here. I think it is. I can barely see a ring where that three-inch stump at one point had been cut to the ground. But now you can see how tall it is. You see that tall? And maybe some of you are saying, hey, wait a second. I think I recognize that tree. And you, if you did, you're right. Because this tree I'm talking about is right outside your church building. It's next to the youth room out there. And every time I come to Living Spring, (laughs) I take another picture of that tree because it reminds me, one, of Marietta means, that's who it was planted in memory of. But it also reminds me that no matter what happens, God has the final say. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and the amazing way you orchestrate life, Lord, we, it's a mystery to us. It's hard to understand and comprehend. But you are real. And yes, God, there are some times where you maybe even bring us to the edge of an ocean with an enemy behind. But you never leave us, you never forsake us. And right now, Lord, I pray for each one who's listening to this. And I can't help but feel and sense that there are lives who, even as they hear this, feel the Spirit's prompting and something they're struggling with, a feeling that things have been cut off, that the enemy has been whispering to them it's finished, it's done there's no future, there is no hope. And maybe some of you are feeling that way today, but you would agree with this prayer. You would agree with this prayer right now, you would say, Lord, all that pain, whatever it is, those doubts, those struggles, that incident, The worries that I have, the concerns, Lord, I surrender it all to you. And Lord, I'm standing by faith right now, believing that you are the God who will have the final say. Maybe somebody here doesn't even know Jesus as your Savior, and you would say, Lord, I I ask you to forgive my sins. Come into my life. I receive you as my Savior, and God, I will live for you, and I thank you that you have written my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. If that is you, pray that prayer right now. Receive him. And maybe there's others of you who would say, I agree that I, I want God to renew my hope in him. And if that's your prayer and you wanna to declare today, I believe God will have the final say. Would you just look up at me right now? Amen. Maybe there's been something, but today you're saying, God will have the final say all over this room. Thank you, Lord. Father, you see the prayers of our hearts, the cries that we have, and Lord, we, I just thank you that you will step in where we say, oh, no, Lord, that you say, oh, yes, and that as we surrender our lives to you, you will accomplish things beyond all we could ever ask or even imagine, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, and all of God's people said, amen, amen. Amen.